Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another episode of the United States Sports Show Football Edition. My name is Joe Marginalina. Joining me once again is Mike Lockman. Mike, how are you doing today? Doing great as always, Joe. How about you? Oh, you know, not too bad. I think I've, uh, like we were saying beforehand, we both have recovered from uh, from what was a pretty windy day over in Derry yesterday. Uh, thankfully, not a, a rainy and windy day, but uh, definitely a, sent a chill uh, you know, down my back at some point there. Yeah, you know, all that time doing football in New Hampshire, you'd think that I would at least know how to dress for a, a November yeah. game. And uh, I, I dressed a little lightly for the event yesterday, so I'm, I'm still thawing out a little bit, but well, you was know, happy to be there. When it's like 60 degrees the night before, you know, it's, uh, it, it's I, a challenge. I think that was the big part of it is I was I was thinking, oh, yeah, it'll be nice once the, you know, the, the clouds break and yeah, everything. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, that was that was not that was not good thinking. <laughs> uh, yeah, but so we are uh, we decided, you know, with the holiday this week. Obviously, um, Thanksgiving's coming up on Thursday, uh, and and if you're listening to us right now um, on Monday, you're you're one. You, I hope you're not wondering why we're a day early uh, or surprised that we're a day early. Uh, we decided to 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 give you a. Uh, I guess a, an early Thanksgiving treat. We're we're gonna post the we posted the podcast on Monday instead of Tuesday this week. Uh, hopefully, you can get that all in and listen to it before, you know, you do your traveling, or or maybe you want to do it while you're traveling. So uh, either way, uh, you know, happy Thanksgiving. Um, and and here's the uh, the podcast a day early. Yeah, I think it's I think it's great. Happy Thanksgiving yeah. to everybody. And uh, like you said, with the holiday week, you know, everybody's. Really, really busy. So getting it out a day early is probably probably a good idea. Yeah. Uh, and you know, as always, uh, you can send questions and feedback for the show to nhhighschoolsports at gmail dot com. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube at at nhhs sports. Uh, the football show is uh, we're going actually going to be, you know, we're down to what our 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 last championship game coming up. Um, you know, but even though we got one game left after this week, uh, we're going to give you two more shows. How about that? Uh, I think that's also a great idea. Yeah, Joe. we're going to wrap <laughs> up. <laughs> we'll do our, our wrap up of the, uh, the D one championship game, uh, next Tuesday. And then the following week, we'll do a final podcast, uh, wrapping up the entire, uh, 2023 season. And uh, hopefully by then we'll be able to talk about, you know, the changes to divisions for next year and uh, and kind of take a look ahead at uh, 2024. So that's what we got coming up uh, on tap. And, of course, uh, you can listen to the show at nh-highschoolsports.com or on Spotify or at Odyssey uh, just by searching Ninth State Sports Show. All right. Got that out of the way. Um yeah, I'm. I'm. I'm looking forward to. I really hope that. I know. I know. There's uh, been some speculation, and and you and I have discussed, you know, off the podcast, um, you know, changes to divisions. So I'm. I'm hoping that's uh, ready to go by the time we, uh, we do that show because I think it's going to be interesting, an interesting discussion, and I think there's some interesting changes potentially on the horizon. Yeah, I know that you've shared a little bit of well, off the record, obviously, what you've heard through the circles that you travel and. Uh... I, I do think that there's some interesting things being discussed. Um, you know, the the alignments are one thing. The format is another, right? So will there yeah, be yeah, format? Don't know about that either. Two big, two, yeah, two things that uh, potentially could be changing. But we'll, right. we'll save that for another show. Yes. We've got some games to talk about. And uh, I think uh, I think we want to start with that Division Two championship game that took place on Saturday over at Stello Stadium in Nashua. Uh, of course, you had uh, number one Pelham taking on number two Plymouth. Pelham in a championship game for the fourth year in a row in the final in Division Two for, for uh, the second year in a row. They've also, going into the game, had won 40 straight, which I believe is the longest um, longest streak since Plymouth set the record for consecutive wins. I think it's like 57 or something like that. Um is what the what the state record is, which Plymouth set from like 2005 to 2010. Uh, I'll see if I can find that real quick. I did find it the other day, and of course forgot to write it down. Uh, pretty typical. Um, That's know. unbelievable, though, if you think about that. I mean, 41 is unbelievable. Right. 
right? Thinking that the 11 seniors that are, that are graduating um, as champions from Pelham have never lost a varsity football game. Right. I mean, just, just that alone is, is unfathomable. Yeah. Uh, Plymouth's win streak, uh, which is the state record is 57 games. Um, that, that was from 20 or excuse me, 2005 to 2010. Wow. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So that, that includes, uh, I believe four championships, um, couple in division three, couple in division four, uh, way back when there was, uh, for some reason, six divisions in, in New Hampshire. I remember that. <laughs> uh, but on this day, it was, uh, it was Pelham extending its streak, as you mentioned, uh, 41 in a row now for the Pythons as they get a 35-6 to win over Plymouth in the D2 championship game. And uh, this one started out uh, not like many games have gone for Pelham uh, in, uh, in the recent, uh, recent history. Uh, the Pythons actually trailed 6 nothing in this game. It was scoreless going into the second quarter. And on the first play of the second quarter, Plymouth gets a, uh, a touchdown run from Tristan Patridge uh, to make it 6 nothing, And uh, and then from there, it sounds like it was all Pelham. Yeah, in fact, Joe, first time all season yeah. that Pelham trailed in any way for any amount of time. Um, I, I think it lasted, how long did you say it lasted? About uh, not, 90 seconds? Yeah, something like that. <laughs> um, yeah, because, I mean, Pelham turned around scored on the next drive uh, on a 57-yard touchdown run by Connor Travis. So, I mean, if he's scoring from 57 yards, yeah, not yeah, uh, not, yeah a minute and a half, 90 seconds. Yep. And then they make, they get the extra point to make it 7-6. And uh, I don't want to say that was all, but, I mean, you know, the, uh, Plymouth obviously didn't score again. Um, and, and Pelham, you know, goes on for a 35-6 win. Um, I mean, what did Plymouth – yeah, Plymouth had just, what, 66 yards – on the ground, you know, just a uh, you know tough day for the for the Bobcats against that, uh, you know, what was a really good uh, front uh, from Pelham this year. Yeah, I think I think if you're talking about Pelham, their defense has really been the star of the show all season. I mean, you know, again, guys like us, you know, we always talk about offenses and the rushing yardage and the QBs and well, sure. even I mean, sometimes it's... the offensive linemen, but Pelham's uh, Pelham's defense has been really pretty incredible this year you know it, it it raises all those what if type of questions you know you you almost like to say what if what if that pelham defense played some of the you know the top tier teams in d1 and you know how would they fare you know it, it lends itself to those kind of um those kind of questions sure. i think but but yeah i mean to to be able to hold uh an extraordinarily well coached plymouth offense to 66 yards rushing by the way, an offense that 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 group of kids that, you know, when they come up through that system, they've been running pretty much that same scheme forever. Right. I mean, that's the same scheme, essentially, that Coach Lenahan used to run before Coach Sanborn took over. Um, and they run it, I think, throughout their youth programs and stuff. I mean, so to be able to to just overpower that rushing offense is nothing short of, um, uh, you know, a pretty heroic feat. Yeah, um, and and you know Plymouth was coming off a uh, you know such a successful game plan uh, the week before against Sauhegan. I mean they were able to you know kind of chip away at at Sauhegan's defense, and I'm sure you know that was that was the plan going into uh, Saturday. Um, you know, and and eventually Plymouth had to throw the tried to throw the ball a little bit, and and you know their quarterback um, Luke Diamond was just two of nineteen passing. Uh, Pelham got five interceptions on him, you know, as they're, you know, trying to come back in that game. And, and I'm sure, you know, 19 passes from, from Plymouth is not, um, you know, not the, the uh, blueprint for trying to win a, a championship game for them. Um, no, you know, no, that's that's a clear sign that they were on their heels and, um, you know, kind of knew that they were they were losing individual battles up front on, you know, on offense. Yeah. You know, I, I I think the other thing too, Joe, is you know we we talked a couple of weeks ago as we headed into the uh, into the playoff season about how we were, you know, we were sort of sunsetting our thoughts on teams of the week and players of the week and those type of things just because the field starts to get it dwindles. You know, it, it, yeah, it, 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 yeah, it goes down by half each week, and you, you're you know you're quickly going to kind of be repetitive <laughs> in that. But 
man, I'll tell you, if there was anybody that um, anybody that might have earned that honor this week, it would have been Dom Hurling. From, uh, yeah, I, I had a feeling you were going to say that. Yeah, I mean, you know, you look at the rushing attempts, you know, 15 attempts for just shy of 100 yards. Um, and if I if I remember correctly, but he also had two interceptions on Plymouth's last two drives as they were, again, as as Diamond and company were trying to get something going just to get back in the game. Um, that's a huge performance right there. And I believe two um, two rushing touchdowns as well. Yeah, I think you're right. Yeah. So I mean, a, a great all-around day uh, for hurling, and 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 a you know, you know, guy who has is one of those seniors who's been around for the last four years, and you know, a part of these championship runs, uh, you know, th- and like you mentioned, I think this class, you know, has that unique experience of going throughout their high school careers without losing a game, uh, which is just, um, you know, that I don't I, that doesn't happen all that often, uh, you know, at any level, I believe. But, um, you know, just a, a, a great way to top a uh, what's been a great career for these uh, these Pelham seniors. Yeah, I think congratulations all around to the, the coaches and the kids there. Um, not an easy feat, like you said, anywhere at any level with any quality of team. Um, you know, I did find one thing kind of uh, funny isn't the right word, but it, it was it was. Um, you know, I understand where this comes from, having been a coach for a long time and, you know, working with a lot of different programs and cultures and stuff. The, you know, there was a there was a article on your site, obviously, about the game. And there were some really nice interviews, um, one of which was with Dom Hurling. And, you know, he was quoted on in your article as saying this caps off a year that people doubted us. People didn't think this, that we were the same team coming back and we ran the board. And I thought that was kind of interesting. You know, it brings a smile to my face because I'm thinking to myself, I don't know about that, Dom. I, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think there were a lot of people that hoped, hoped that you guys weren't going to be the same team. <laughs> but I think a lot of people knew that you guys were still loaded and, and that you would be coming back loaded for bear. Um, but but the reason why I smile at that is because you see that at, at, at all levels, Joe, right? Like really good teams, they'll they'll tune out all that noise about how good you're supposed to be. And they'll flip it and say, oh, no, people doubt us or people don't believe in us or, you know, we still have to prove how good we really are and, and, and all that type of stuff. So, I mean, that's your that's one of your senior leaders. And he's coming out after winning the ring and saying, oh, yeah, we were motivated all year by people doubting us. I just I think that's really again. Right. It's really indicative of a really healthy sports culture um, on a team because. It just goes to show they probably really believe that, even though you and I would chuckle and be like, yeah, I don't know. I think, <laughs> I think everybody knew you guys were yeah. going to be really tough. Yeah, I mean, I certainly, I, I mean, I, yeah, I mean, there were there were some questions going into the year because of the guys that they lost. But, yeah, right, they, were, right. they were returning, obviously, some very talented kids. I mean, we mentioned a couple, you know, today. We did, we haven't even mentioned, you know, Memphis Patterson, who, you know, is was a semifinalist for the for the Yukika Award uh, right. for player of the year in the state as a lineman. Um, right. You know, I mean, and, and he was a, 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 you know, been a force on, on both sides of the ball. I mean, they, they've, they had a lot coming back this year. I think it was just a question of, did they, did they have enough? Which I think if you'd have asked either one of us at the beginning of the year, the answer was probably, um, you know, or, or did anyone else, could anyone else catch, had anyone else caught them right Which again yeah, that, that's not a, that's a question that you don't know the answer to until well until this you know the playoffs begin i think right and that's that's usually the the really good question it's not so much are they as good as they were last year and things like that because because it, it all that's the thing that you learn as you go through this it's all relative it, it's you may not have as great a team right just like if last year's team played this year's team Maybe this year's team would have beaten last year's team, or maybe last year's team would have beaten this year's team, whatever, right? What really matters is is how relative that is to the other really good teams in your division, right? So then, you know, what you're really looking at is what does Plymouth have coming back relative to um, to Pelham? What does Sauhegan have coming back relative to Pelham, right? What do, what do some of these other uh, really good teams have coming back, right? There's a team like Stark, which 
you know, they were very young last year, right? What do they have coming out? Cause you know, et cetera, et cetera. So anyway, I, I think I've made my point, but uh, <laughs> that really, that really did bring a, a genuine smile to my face yeah. because again, right there, that, that, that team probably really believed that, right. They built around like, Hey, we, you know, people don't believe in us. You know, we're not looked at in the same way that those guys last year that who we respect tremendously, but those guys last year were, were looked at. And, um, Again, right? I just kind of shook my head and said, "I don't know anybody that was taking you guys lightly, man." <laughs> <laughs> but, but that's good if that's the kind of thing that you can use to motivate yourself, right? And and to stay sharp and to stay focused. So, good on them for that kind of leadership. You know, you mentioned, um, you know, earlier their their defense, uh, and just wanted to, you know, bring this up too. You know, they they start out the year with with five straight shutouts. Don't give up a point in their first five games. Uh, over the last three of the regular season, they end up giving 35 up, uh, 21 of those to Sauhegan, uh in that win, second to last game of the, the regular season. Um, you know, Milford Hanover each had seven points. I don't know if those were, you know, kind of, you know. Yeah, late up, you know, late, Yeah, like, like yeah. kind of mop-up uh, touchdowns, scores. Uh, you know, Kennett put eight on the board in in the quarterfinal round um you know they shut out st thomas and you know it was kind of again i we talked about that game last week a, a surprising you know low scoring game for pelham there in that 14 nothing win uh and then plymouth gets six um you know obviously in the second quarter so against the first team defense so you know out with that score and then um you know the the 21 for against Sauhegan. I, I, you know, those are against the, the first team defense. I, I don't know about the other ones. So, I mean, you, we're talking about potentially the Pelham, you know, starters maybe giving up only 27 points all year. Yeah. And, and it fits right into what we were talking about earlier with this particular game where you could say the defense was really, aside from obviously talking about uh, Dom hurling, the defense was, well, and he was part of that defensive effort sure. actually, but really, you know, the star of this, right? Again, to, to reemphasize 60, what did we say? 66 yards 66 total? yards, I think, on 32 carries. Right. For, for, for So that's yeah. two yards a pop and, and an eight-yard touchdown run that, that, that opened the scoring was part of that total, by the way. And like you said, two of 11 for 40-something yards maybe, right? I think, in the air. Or two, two of um, nine, yeah, two of 19 for 42. Two of nineteen. Thank you. Um, I mean, that's that's just about a hundred yards, give yeah. or take. You know, eight or nine yards. So you're talking about you're, you're talking about holding Plymouth to that. You know, I mean, that's just just pretty pretty good stuff. That's that's the recipe for winning a championship. Absolutely. So congratulations. Yeah. 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 And then and, yeah, and then for Plymouth too to get to this game, you know. They um they had a, a they were a playoff team last year but you know they got actually smoked by Pelham in the opening round a year ago uh, you know to come back go ten and two get to the championship game this year um, you know especially with that one loss uh, you know a pretty in the regular season a pretty ugly one uh, against Sauhegan that had you know the, the last half of their regular season they're going through it wondering just how good they are probably you know. Um, to to be able to regroup and, and get to the championship game, that's a you know a, a nice job by uh, by Coach Sanborn and, and his crew oh. up there. Oh, it really is. It's an outstanding job, especially when you consider what you just said, which is in the regular season. I think was it back in week five, maybe? It was like, yeah, it was the, it was week five. It was like right in the middle of the season. Right, and and like you've mentioned on the show in earlier weeks, right? It was a it was kind of a bad weather night, which you yeah. would have assumed might have played more into the 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 Plymouth style of play but no Sauhegan went out and just punched punch 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 punched um so I think that's the other thing that gets lost in in this right I'm sure Plymouth is very disappointed in in the results of this last game but the fact that that team reloaded you know kind of like regathered their uh their confidence in themselves and went out there and were able to pull off that that semifinal win against Sauhegan uh, is in itself. I'm not saying, oh, that was their championship because that's such a, you know, that's gross to people who actually, right. you know, coach yeah. and play football. You just want to vomit <laughs> when you say that, right? But, but that that was really a strong, strong um, statement that they made in terms of how far that they've come to, right? So, 
Um, so again, while I'm sure that they're disappointed, they have a lot, a lot of really good things that happened this year that I think they can hang their hat on for the future. Yeah. Well, uh, any other thoughts on, on D2 on that game or, or any other? Uh, of course, we'll have time to, to wrap up with all our thoughts uh, in a couple weeks. Uh, but uh, anything pressing right now that uh, you want to get out there? No, I don't think so. All Just right. congratulations to all those teams. I uh, I can't believe that uh, that that's it. That's that's the wrap on uh, it. Yeah. But we, you know, but it but it is, and it was uh, it was a really fun year watching all those guys play. Absolutely. and talking about it. Yeah. All right. Well, let's look at these uh, these two D one semifinals, and uh, you know, you talked about or we talked about Pelham and and you know coming back this year. What were they going to have? Where how good were they going to be? And I, I feel like you had the same thing with uh, with the defending champs in, in D1 in Bedford. I mean, I don't think their losses were quite as um, in personnel, I think, were as big. I mean, of course, the big one that, that I feel like, you you know, you, you stood out was, was Colby Snow, who had a, you know, an impact, a huge game in, in that uh, championship, including kicking the, the game-winning field goal. Um, but, yeah. you know, a lot of key pieces coming back for Bedford this year. Um you know they they blew doors through the regular season. You know as I as I mentioned in the story that I wrote uh, that's up on nh-highschoolsports dot com. Um, you know their their game last or going into um, the semifinal against Portsmouth Oyster River only one time all year had they scored fewer than twenty one points in the first half, and that was in the season opener. Um, you know they just. It's so many games this year where their their starters aren't seeing the fourth quarter or or even the third quarter for very much, uh, right? And then they get into this game against Portsmouth Oyster River and it's only uh, a seven nothing game at halftime, uh, right? You know, so very uh, very uncharted territory I think for for the Bulldogs, uh, you know, at, at halftime of this game, and uh, certainly you know it, it's game is still in the balance. I I asked um you know I talked to to Danny Black, the the Bedford quarterback, afterwards, and I asked him, like, did it feel weird at halftime knowing that you had to still go back out there? And he was like, yeah, I kind of kind of was. Yeah, um, you know, which you, you kind of which sounds a little a, a little you know absurd, but it, it was the truth. I you know I I gotta believe. Oh, I think so. I, I mean, that was as good of a battle as they've gotten all season for sure. Um, and and you know I think. I think it was it was easy to kind of think that that would be, even though Portsmouth had a great season, I think it was easy for some people to think that that might have been kind of an easy put away game for Bedford. But I think I think you kind of knew, like if you had watched Portsmouth play this year and you had watched Bedford play, you know, I think you knew that there were going to be some interesting matchup things that would happen in that game that were gonna that were gonna mean that it would be a close game. And I I, I don't know that I would have guessed seven nothing. Uh, you know, in the half, because these are both pretty explosive teams. Um, but, I, you know, I had a feeling, especially because of the way these two teams play defense, um, that, yeah, that it yeah. might be a little closer than, than you know, what you would otherwise expect, or at least a little less explosive in terms of lighting the scoreboard up. Not not just the defense, but I think, you know, with, with you know, Portsmouth, unfortunately, was, was missing their starting quarterback. Uh, Aiden Thomas got hurt against Nashua North in the, the quarterfinals and was able one is unable to play. Um, you know, so they really relied on that running game, um, especially in the first half. Um, you know, they there was only, I mean, Bedford, or, or I think each team actually um, only had three possessions in the first half. Like, it was one of those yeah. things where you look up and it's like, holy crap, like, the, you know, like Bedford's uh, opening drive, that they scored on ended with like a minute plus left in the first quarter. Right. You know, you Both of, yeah. Two yeah. Two really Absolutely. long drives. Yeah. You kind of yeah. look up and you're like, Hey, wait a minute. Where, where did the half go? Right. <laughs> yeah. Uh, which again, it's not something that you might expect from those two teams, right? Because you know, yeah, yeah. they could both throw the ball. They both have a really good receiver core receiving cores. Um, but again, the game plan for both teams was kind of, to use their their running game and kind of grind things out a little bit, and it it made it for, I think, a really interesting game to watch. Quite honestly, I, you know, sometimes I'll 
watch those games at more of a high level, but I really found myself getting into the details on, on that game and seeing what was going on in the running game and what were they trying to exploit. I, I thought it was interesting in that way. Yeah. You know, and, and for Portsmouth, I mean, defensively, they, you, you got to feel, I mean, they've got to feel like they almost did what they wanted to do. You know, I mean, you, you know, they kind of start with, with looking at taking away, um, you know, Brody Helton, uh, who's been a, a you know a playmaker at running back for for Bedford all year, you know they yeah. kind of did that. Twenty he had twenty one carries for eighty seven yards and a touchdown. So you know they and none of his runs. Um, I think he had one run for ten yards, and and everything else was less than that. Uh, you know Portsmouth didn't give up many um, big plays. Bedford had just one play of over twenty yards. That was the forty five yard touchdown from. Uh, black to to Luke Soden that kind of broke the game open in, uh, late in the third quarter, made it twenty one nothing. Yeah, but outside of that, nothing over twenty yards. It, it just you know when when they they were able to slow Bedford down in the running game, they then dropped back to their passing game. You know to, to have a, a quarterback like like Danny Black who's got the experience, you know being in those pressure situations. Uh, it was 13 and 19 for 135 yards and three touchdowns, and the first yeah. touchdown uh, to to Dom uh, Tagliaferro. I don't know. Portsmouth couldn't have covered it any better. No, Black couldn't have put the ball in a better spot, and and Tagliaferro couldn't have made a better catch. And and the work that he did to keep a foot in bounds was was phenomenal. Um, yeah, I, I mean, you and I were talking about yeah. that for a few minutes on. On Saturday afternoon right. uh, on the sidelines at Pinkerton, I was like, you know, did, did you get a good look at that? Because, you know, I, I had seen, <laughs> obviously, from the camera angle, sure. I was like, that was amazing. And I said the same thing you just said, which is, and he couldn't have been covered any better. I mean, right. that was perfect coverage. And it looked like an NFL quality catch. And you were like, could I have seen it any better? Let me tell you where I was. <laughs> I was I was in a spot. I don't know how I didn't flinch on this. If If he had not caught that ball it would have been taken out my camera. Like right. I would have had a camera in my f- smashed into my face. I'd probably have not made it through the rest of the game um, right. because I was in the, I was in right in line with that pass and with the catch. Uh, unfortunately I, I was at a bad angle to try to get him catching the ball and see the foot come down. The footwork. Right. right. Um, but I was in the, yeah, I, I was one of those. I was like, wow, uh, that, that really just happened. <laughs> right. Uh, well, and, and, and again, right. I, I mean, it's one of those things that is kind of interesting about the game in that, you know, that between, um, Tagliaferro and Matthews and black, um, that they have a pretty robust passing game. Right. But you know, what, what I think is kind of interesting about Bedford's identity this season is that just because they can do that doesn't mean that's what they're going to go out there and do. Right. You know, they, 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 they really to. Try, yeah. Right. They, they try, they try to establish the ground game. And I guess when you have uh, a guy like Brody back there um, who really, I mean, he exploded last week, if I remember correctly. Right. I mean, yeah. Four touchdowns. Um, I don't remember what his yardage was, but he, yeah, he had an explosive game uh, for the first four touchdowns of the game. Right. So, you know, and, and as, as a sophomore, right. I mean, just, just pretty incredible. And honestly, I thought he really did run well in this game as well. You know, he was physical. He ran low to the ground. But the, that, you know, we've talked about the Portsmouth defense a number of times here, right? They're they're pretty physical up front. And, and they have big run-stuffing inside linebackers inside there um, that can kind of yeah. handle some yeah. of that. Where some of these other teams, they're not quite built that way. You know, a lot of times those inside linebackers are more like stout but shorter type guys right like almost like fullback type kids and their guys are more like tight end running back type guys with size um so i think they're able to handle some of that you know the 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 zone and gap blocking and some of the pullers coming through there on the in the run game um and and it and it you know it, it almost paid off because like you said they kind of did a good job containing that and forcing bedford to go to some other things yeah that's that's i believe i believe the two running backs on offense as you mentioned brooks connors and, and cole mclaughlin yep. are the those inside linebackers for uh for portsmouth and and, and zach matthews the bedford coach said afterwards you know just a, a, and you know to to kind of point out how physical those guys are that that mclaughlin has 
basically no paint left on his helmet. Yes, uh, he correct. I noticed that too. <laughs> um, well, well, and that's interesting to say to, to you know to to turn it around. Obviously, Joe is you know with with Brooks Connors and um, McLaughlin back there for Portsmouth. I thought Bedford did a really good job containing those two physical runners as well. Um, you know, we've been praising Portsmouth's defense a little bit here, but I thought that uh, I thought that I thought Bedford did an excellent job on those guys. You know, there was kind of one play that Portsmouth found out around the left edge, um, and I can't remember who was blocking for who. I think it might have been McLaughlin blocking for Connors. Yeah, Connors you know, definitely like, had the the better day uh, numbers wise. Yeah. And, and I and I think that was because McLaughlin was doing a lot of blocking for him out there. You know, they they sort of were able to run a sweep out of that two back gun look that they have, um, that that looked like Bedford just couldn't get that out physical at different times, right? But that was that was almost all they could find on the ground. You know, there wasn't much else there. Yeah, I had them for um, 122 yards um, with with Connors having 91 of that. Uh, and yeah. mo- most of that was in the first half. I had them for just 14 yards rushing in the second half. Uh, yeah. Just a, a, yeah. T- and some of that comes in, you know, I think a couple of sacks there um, in the second half, uh, a, a, you know, for uh, Bedford's defense. So, I mean, that takes away at the rushing yardage as well. Right. Uh, you know, but yeah, t- a, a tough, tough day offensively, especially once they got down, you know, that, that opening drive of the second half was, was huge for Bedford to be able to go down take a lot of time off the clock and a score to make it 14 nothing you know again um Portsmouth without Thomas their quarterback um you know Colby Gedney getting in there and you know making his first start of the season obviously he played most of the game against North but you know I I think it's a lot different you know when you're just thrown in there you know to replace an injured injured starter you kind of you don't have the time to think about it whereas he had all week to kind of maybe think about this one a little too much um, right you know and and it's a tough spot to be thrown into so i mean not to take anything away away from from what he was able to get in there and do um but just you know to be to be asked to step in in the semifinals um is is a a, a tough spot for anyone to be in yeah it, it absolutely is you know we um and, and i thought he played pretty well given the circumstances you know he actually had you know, some pretty, uh, some pretty halfway decent rushes, uh, in terms of, um, design plays. There were a couple of times where he had to scramble to get out of trouble. Um, you know, he, he threw a couple of nice passes to, um, number six, Joe, uh, the name names Emmanuel, escaping me. Emmanuel Poe. Right. Who's kind of a, uh, you know, like a slot receiver speed sure. demon type guy. Um, but, uh, but yeah, overall it's tough. It's tough to, to go out there, like you said, and, and your, your first start, you know, it was a semifinal game um, where and you if you weren't going to say it, I was going to say it. The difference is you have all week to think about it. Right. Yeah. It's a lot different than just getting thrown out there and, and your adrenaline's pumping and you don't even realize the significance of the of the situation. You don't have enough time to think. You about don't, yeah, it, right? exactly. Yeah. 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 I mean, he had a couple, um, you know, Bedford had a couple inter- interceptions later in the game, obviously, when they're trying to. You know they they have to try to throw the ball to try to get back into it, right? Uh, but one of one of those, the last one by by Luke Soden was one of the more athletic plays I think you'll ever see. Um, you know, by a defensive back. I mean, ball was tipped, and I think he like might have jumped over somebody to to catch it. Um, just a, a an outstanding play there. And then you know I want to go back to him too. You know, we're, when we we're talking about Bedford's offense, um, you know, you mentioned a couple other guys, but I think Soden has been really key for them uh you know replacing the guy we we were mentioned we started out talking about uh colby snow you know they, they lose a, a really good experienced receiver and they get a guy in soden back who took a year off of from football last year to focus on you know basketball and trying to improve his game um you know to try to get uh recruited yeah you know and and he he does a tremendous job there, leads the basketball team to a championship last year, and then comes back this year uh, to football and steps in, and he's been a, a huge part of their offense, and, well, and and defense, um, and and he, you know, they're right back where they were a year ago. Yeah, and I didn't even realize that part of the story, so that that's that's actually really interesting to me. I didn't know that uh, I didn't know that he had taken last year off to 
to kind of hone his basketball skills. Yeah, uh, very, yeah, very uh, unique kind of situation, I think, for a guy to do that and then step in like he hasn't missed a beat. Right, then return, right. A yeah. um, couple of, couple of uh, I guess, historical things I want to throw out there, too, because you, you know me, I'm the... I'm the history major over here and yep. always like to look at that kind of stuff. Uh, so, at, you know, Bedford, of course, in the championship game for the second year in a row. Uh, fifth time overall in the D1 championship game. They also made a final in D2 and in D3, again, back when there were six divisions. Uh, those five championship games game appearances, since 2014, that's the most of any team in Division One. Uh the yeah. other team that that they're playing, Londonderry, this will be their fourth, I believe, since 2019. Uh, so this is starting to be, you know, the the kind of two teams that are, are are rising, I guess, to the top of the division. This this, you know, 20 team, 21 team division that we've had uh, for the last decade or so. Yeah. Uh, and and the other thing that to mention too that those five championship game appearances. Uh, in D1 are with three different head coaches. Yes, Kurt Hines, Derek Stank, and now Coach Matthews. Yeah, so that's just, you know, kind of an interesting interesting couple of things to throw out there. Yeah, well, and what it shows is, one, they've had very, very good coaching, even though they've had um, a fair amount of coaching turnover, so right. to speak, right? And I think Coach Hines and Coach Stank both left only if only because they were relocating to other parts of the country, right? They, exactly. I don't think yeah. Yeah. Both. both uh, uh, in fact, it, they went to Cali. Both went to California. Yeah. Right. And now, um, now, uh, now, Coach Hines is a is an Instagram sensation. Yes, he is. <laughs> <laughs> Very motivational. It's if you sweet, haven't checked yes. him out, uh, listeners, you should check that out. Especially if you're you're into football, he has a lot of good things to say. Absolutely. But, but, uh, but it also shows, I think. Right. Because I as much as I've been a, a coach through my life, right, I know that it's really about the players. Right. And so I think what it shows is that that Bedford system, whatever whatever that system is, right, the the alignment of the youth programs, the the support that they get in the community, the fact that athletes come out from different sports and and uh, and aren't just like, oh, well, I'm going to focus on the cross. I'm not going to play for whatever it is. Right. But that whole system, that whole culture has been consistent for a long time. And I think that's one of the things that gets overlooked so much when you have the consistency that you see with Bedford or with Londonderry or with Pinkerton or with Pelham or with Plymouth or Sauhegan, right? Or these other schools that seem to always kind of be there is that it really, it really speaks to, again, the quality of the coaching, but really the culture that the players have and, and everything across the system, the administration, the youth programs, the other sports coaches and programs, hopefully working together within the, the, the building, right. To share athletes and encourage them to play different sports. That's where it happens. Well, I'm glad you mentioned uh, Londonderry and Pinkerton there because uh, maybe this is a good way to segue into uh, ah. the semifinal. Yeah, I, that was my plan. <laughs> <laughs> well, nice, nice job, nicely done. Yeah, um, yeah. I, you know, you've got obviously a program in Pinkerton that's had, uh, you know, um, some pretty good has been pretty consistent for a long, long time uh, with with Coach Brian O'Reilly there, and then uh, you know, program in Londonderry with with Jimmy Lozon taking over. I don't know. It's got to be. I was trying to remember this the other day. Maybe eight years, ten. Has it been ten years already? Maybe. At least, at least somewhere in there, eight or not eight it's, to ten. It's got to be pretty close to that because I, I think he was. I think he took over while I was at Sauhegan, which was between so, yeah. thirteen and sixteen. Sure. Okay. Uh, so, so almost, almost a decade. Then we'll say. Yeah. Um. You know, both both programs that have, you know, had success in in recent years, of course, and and then obviously, with Pinkerton for for a long time. Uh, with, with Coach O'Reilly on the sideline, and um, a, you know, a, a series, a, a rivalry. Uh, I mean, one of the best in the state on the football field, no doubt about that. You know, but one that was very heavily slanted in Pinkerton's favor for, you know, I, what twenty twenty years or so, right? Yeah, a long time. And uh, 
more recently, Londonderry had kind of been, you know, had taken over that role. They had won seven in a row against Pinkerton going into this year uh, before Pinkerton beat them in the regular season, which, you know, the difference between this game being in Derry as opposed to in Londonderry. You know, Pinkerton, right. Pinkerton, the undefeated one seed, Londonderry, the four seed with one loss uh, to Pinkerton. Uh, and this game, I, I don't know. I, I don't know about what, what you thought going into it, but to me, I, this game couldn't have been any different than what I was expecting. Um, I thought it was going to be, you know, a close back-and-forth game. I don't know if there would have been high scoring. I was thinking high scoring or, or lots of defense, but I certainly did not see Londonderry getting a 42-7 to win over Pinkerton on its home field. Uh you know, and and you know, forty-two-seven was the final, but really, it was like a thirty-five-nothing game. Yeah, yeah. No, I don't think anybody. But, but just to put it into perspective, uh, how much of a I think of a of a surprise that score was to people. My dad, who you know, I mean, he doesn't follow a lot of football, right? I mean, he he watches NFL football, and he probably saw the news or something. But he actually texted me this morning and was like. Oh my God! What happened with Pinkerton London? You know, my dad barely texts anyone. You know, like I probably get one text from my dad a month, and that was the text I saw this morning. Was, hey son, what happened with Londonderry Pinkerton? And I'm like, wow, even my dad was surprised, right? Well, it's all right. So if we're gonna if we're gonna go that route, I I will say the same thing actually happened with with my mother. Uh, I yeah. got a, yeah, I got that the same kind of question because. She had asked me, you know, if I was at the, you know, she watches, uh, you know, the news on Channel 9 pretty much every night. And she, you know, sees the, you know, the Bedford-Portsmouth result and asked me, oh, were you at that game? I, yeah, I was. Well, what's the game that's today? Who's in the other, you know, I was tell, explaining it to her and, you know, telling her how close the, the other game was. You know, and then she asked me who won and I told her. And she was like, oh, my goodness, I can't, you know, I thought you said it was going to be a close game. And I was like, hey, what do I know? Yeah. <laughs> um, well, yeah, and I mean, you know, we were both there, and and it, it's interesting, Joe, when I when I get to go to the games and and actually use the sideline pass, right? Because sometimes <laughs> I go to games, but I'm I'm, you know, I'm with other people or sure. I'm with my kids or right. something, and I, you know, you can't go on the field with everybody, so it's it's rare that I actually just get to mosey on down there with all of you guys. And but having been a coach for so long, it's like you pick up on these subtleties that you don't pick up on from the stands, right? Whether they're just emotional changes in a team or little momentum things that happen. And, uh, you know, it was tough because Pinkerton looked like they were in trouble right out of the gate. If you remember, oh, you know, yeah. they had, yeah. That, yeah. you know, I think they fumbled on their third play. Well, from not, scrimmage. Not just that. I mean, first, first play, you know, you had court, the quarterback, Tim Hersom and, and the running back, Caden Michaud tripping over each other. Correct. Yes, thank you for reminding me of that, right? So, you know, it, it, it was kind of an off-tackle play set up to the right going to Michaud, a play that they've probably run, you know, 70 times this season, if not more. Um, they got caught up in each other, and, you know, it ended up kind of being, you know, like, a, a, what, did he lose a yard maybe? Um, uh, three three yards, I think, yeah. Yeah, and I don't remember what they did on second down. Then on third and long, they tried to run a counter crisscross, which is basically a, handed off a, a sweep in one direction and then that back who you handed the ball to gives a very quick handoff going the other way um to the other wing back you know behind uh, some kickout blocking and that's a very tricky play to run but it's a play that Pinkerton runs really well and they have for 20 or 30 years now and that was the fumble uh recovered by Londonderry and then how many plays later they went in from two, <laughs> two plays yeah, later. two plays later, they went in from yeah. what? 30 something yards Con out. Connor Williams with a, yeah, 33 yard touchdown run two plays later. Um, you know, we were, we were discussing, um, you know, the, some of the changes that London has made, uh, you know, in terms of their blocking schemes and, and they've, they've had, you know, Ty miles who, you know, is one of the best linemen in the state going, you know, is committed to, to play at Holy Cross next year. They put him in the backfield as kind of like what you called him, what, an eight, like an H back. Yeah. Uh, he was like a, like a, like an H back type of guy, which is, you know, usually it's like a tight end type of guy or right. a fullback type of guy that they can, they sort of line up. He's in the backfield, but he's tight to the line of scrimmage, usually right. almost like a quarterback depth, right? If you were under center. 
He um, made a, and he's he, like an extra yeah. puller, you know, is what they usually use them for. And he made a huge block, um, I think, on that run, you know, to to get, pick up a guy that was coming in free, you know, and open open some space for Williams to to make that run. Um, yeah, you know, just uh, and and that happened. I think that was like, you know, a minute seventeen into the game. All of a sudden, it's seven nothing Londonderry. Right, and I think that really kind of put Pinkerton on its heels, and and things kind of snowballed. You know, eventually they 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 get a nice punt. Um, you know, on the next, uh, you know, they they're not really able to move the ball. I don't think it was a three and out. Um, uh, but their next possession, you know, they got a punt, and and Peyton Harmony, their their kicker and punter, puts the ball all the way down at at the the Londonderry ten. Right, and it looked like you know that that Pinkerton was going to get. Uh, force a punt of its own. Um, I think they got it to third down, and then Londonderry picks up the third down, and then the next thing you know, it's like a 15-play, 90-yard touchdown drive. Right. Uh, and and now it's 14 nothing. So, Which arguably, that early in the game, that was kind of the seal, I right. thought, right? That was when things started to look like, you know, emotionally was Pinkerton kind of starting to get a little dejected there um and again it's kind of unfair to say that early but that's really how i felt you know it was kind of like they had a chance with that flipping the field there on the punt and you give up a 90 play you know a 90 yard drive for to go down two scores to a really good team that can play really good defense by the way um you know it was almost like that early on it felt like the wind started to get taken out of the sails of the astros yeah yeah well, they they were able to keep it fourteen nothing going into halftime, but yep. I don't know. You know, again, you had things happen in that second quarter where they, you know, they go on a nice drive, it stalls. They try to kick a field goal. Um, you know, they they I think what they false started on the first try it gets pushed back on the next one. It's a bad snap. They end up not even getting the kick off. Um, yeah, you know, last even more backbreaking was right. they the false the the initial try was good i think it, it, it was was it good i, it I, was, I, it I was, couldn't tell where from where exactly yeah it would was, it, yeah. it would have been good um but they get called for a false start yeah uh, which again is kind of a, a, a you know a foot shooting exercise if if ever there was one you know and but hey you you take a deep breath you go back five yards you do it again and then all of a sudden like you said the the snap is a little low and kind of skids across the turf and again it's it like you, you use the word right out of the gate it kind of snowballed yeah well, um, it, it continued. <laughs> yeah. Yes, I mean, you're right. You've Continue. Got, you've got the injury to, to Misho there late in the half where he comes off and immediately goes goes back with a trainer, um, came out in the second half with his arm in a sling. Just a, a really unfortunate way to see, um, you know, his season come to an end there. Um, yeah, such a brilliant season, yeah, really. Yeah. Um, was a, you know, him, and, him and Miles, uh, both finalists for the Yukiko Award, so – Certainly yep. a great year for him. Um, really tough to see that, you know. So that's that happens right before halftime. They go into the half, have to kick off to Londonderry. But you know, as, as Coach O'Reilly said, it you know after the game. I mean, this was the same spot that they were in in the regular season, down fourteen yep. nothing. You know, hadn't really done much on offense. Uh, had played better defense, he thought, but still, you know, in that hole. And then they had to kick off to Londonderry. And then it was right. just kind of it kind of was, again, a, a series of unfortunate events. You know, the the kick doesn't go as deep as they want it to. Um, two guys ran into each other on the kick coverage, which left a, a huge hole open for for Seth Doyon to return at 87 yards uh, for the touchdown and a, a 21 nothing lead. Yeah. And we had that view. Yeah. You know, looking almost diagonally right at the hole as it opened up. And when Doyon hit that hole. As soon as it, as soon as he got into that clearing, I, I'm pretty sure I looked at you and said, "Gone." You're right. I because you could yeah, just yeah. see the angles were not like a quick scan of the field using, you know, like an old coach's eye, as I as I as I said a couple times, right? And I was like, nobody's going to have the angle on him, and he's got the speed. Well, I I just drifted <laughs> in. Front. I mean, the only the only one back to to get him uh, you know, was the kicker harmony, right? Um, you know, I I unfortunately sometimes will not watch kickoffs um you know especially if it's after a touchdown and i'm trying to you know update the score somewhere or put it in my notes or whatever yeah. i don't even remember what i was doing but i wasn't 
I didn't see the kickoff until I think you said gone, and then I looked up, and I was like, wait a minute, how are there no, there's no one around him? Right. I, I didn't see what happened until I went back and watched it later, but yeah. It was just, quick. It was, yeah, it was, it happened just like that, and I mean, kind of really, you know, a microcosm of what happened in that game to Pinkerton, just... It, it one thing led to another and then another and then all of a sudden it's just you, you can't get out of that hole yeah and you know it well and especially not to a team like londonderry right i mean pinkerton's obviously a great team this year londonderry great team this year but it really did come down to i think the emotional swings of the game and it came down to the mistakes and pinkerton made some first half mistakes and certainly, like you said, right, some the coverage mistake on that opening kickoff that they just couldn't overcome. Londonderry, way too good of a team to make maybe even just one or two of those mistakes against, let alone three or four of them. Um, so, you know, unfortunate for Pinkerton, but also a ton of credit to Londonderry because they put themselves in position uh, to, to take advantage of those mistakes. And I, frankly, I think they had a really good game plan. Um you know, a lot of what I saw defensively, I kept saying this to you too, right? I, I have a hard time keeping my mouth shut when I'm watching a game <laughs> like that. And, you know, they were doing a really great job of just sort of squeezing and knifing off the edges and taking care of some of Pinkerton's, you know, base rushing plays that kind of hit like off tackle. Um, so their edge players on defense, Londonderry's edge players did a phenomenal job, um, I thought. And I thought their defensive game plan, for the most part, was pretty basic isn't the right word but you know there there wasn't a ton of moving parts and complicated checks and things like that they were they were going to line up they were going to rely on their front at least to my eye that's what it looked like right um but they weren't doing all kinds of fancy coverages and blitzing and stunting and stuff they were going to read and react and squeeze and and play great defense with that front and that's what they did um you know they let catnode get going a little bit i think in the second half if i'm not mistaken uh, he had finished with 68 yards. He had a couple of big runs in the second quarter. I think that might second be quarter, right? Yeah. Morrison, yeah. Matt Morrison got going in the second half on, on the touchdown drive, finished with 81 yards, uh, um, and the touchdown. Uh, but again, by then it was, we were into running time by the time that happened. Right. And what was Pinkerton's total rushing yards in that game? I, I think you had it in 56, uh, total, total rushing yards, which was, they didn't have any passing yards, so that was their their yardage for the day, right? And eighty of those were on were Morrison's, yeah, Morrison's back. So, um, an outstanding, outstanding defensive effort on the part of Londonderry. Yeah. Um, and I thought, you know, I thought that the game plan with Ty Miles was kind of interesting, right? It's it's definitely not a look that Londonderry shown in the past, at least not that I've seen. And I thought that they were pretty smart about it, right? They'd use him, like you said, to sort of block up the middle for some of their their quarterback runs they were using him in pass protection uh when they would choose to throw the ball and and they would also kind of decoy him right you right. looked at me at one point and said hey they pulled him out this way but they ran a counter back the other way and i was like yeah that's kind of cool right they were making sure that like hey you can't just key on him and just say hey where he goes right. we're going to get our run fits that way because they'd run some misdirection and they'd actually use him looking like he was blocking one way uh, when really the play was going opposite. So um, pretty, pretty good design there to, to, you know, obviously take advantage of his skills, but also to throw a wrinkle at the Astros that they hadn't seen yet. Well, I, and we did ask, uh, we did ask coach Lozon uh, post game, the, uh, the burning question that I think, you know, you and I had on the sideline, uh, but uh, I imagine a lot of other people did as well uh, was, uh, Hey, why, is it too late to, change his number so you can give him the ball let him let him right. carry the ball uh right. unfortunately he is uh if someone gets hurt on the offensive line they've got to uh he's uh, in. throw right. him in so he he's the backup for the line there so right uh, yeah because that was the only weakness to that scheme and well and if you could even call it a weakness you put 42 up but it was like hey with him back there it, it just it takes an eligible yeah, guy yeah. out of you know out of something that you'd have to you'd have to account for but it doesn't matter when you can roll up rushing a rushing performance like that behind a good line. And like you, like you mentioned, Joe, it's almost impossible to mention the contributors. There's too many, because there's so many of them. (laughs) Like 
it's like six, seven guys, you know, between the quarterbacks rotating and the, and the various weapons they have at the slot receiver positions and the running back positions. It's like, it's, it's a true team effort. I, I had credited 11 different guys with rushing with carry with a carry at yeah. least, at least one. And then two other guys had receptions, right? So that's 13, 13 players that touched the ball. Um, Cam Brutus, who who's uh, usually in the quarterback mix there, uh, he was at quarterback for two plays, one of which was a seven yard touchdown run. Yeah, um, yeah. He he's I, he's a guy I feel like contributes a little bit more defensively, maybe than some of the other guys. Or or I notice he's he is out there on the defensive side. Uh, yeah. But yeah, I was like, it was like, oh, he's in the game now. Oh, and he scored a touchdown. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, yeah. Thirteen different ball carriers i mean you you don't see that in the nfl no no you don't you not, don't see not, you don't see four quarterbacks in the nfl either well that's true too <laughs> but but 13 different guys touching the ball in the game is that's that's pretty special and again it kind of speaks to you know hey we were talking earlier about the six the the consistency and the success of these programs right and hey if you're an athlete and you go to londonderry high school and you know you're thinking about playing football think about that for a minute right like Hey, I could go out there and I might get the ball a few times a game. You know, like the philosophy of being able to spread the ball around like that, as opposed to being focused on just a few playmakers, um, it might bring a couple extra guys out, right? Because yeah, hey, yeah. you know, I don't have to be somebody that's played football for the last six, seven, eight years to, you know, be involved in the offense or whatever, right? Like I could go out there and if I work really hard, I have just as much a chance of getting a few touches a game as anybody else does. So, um, it's another one of those cultural things that, hey, when you can do it, do it because it gets it gets a lot more people excited about the game. All right. Well, now we know what the championship game is. Uh, we've yes, got we Londonderry do. versus Bedford for the second year in a row. And uh, hey, what do you know? The game is once again going to be at Exeter uh, at Bill Ball yep. Stadium in, Exe- in Exeter. One o'clock kickoff on Saturday. Uh, I pulled up, uh, obviously we got a whole week to go and, uh, you know, a lot can change weather wise between now and then. Um, but, oh, where did it go? I just had, uh, the, there's the 10 day forecast Exeter's weather on Saturday is looking like, uh, I was going to try to just keep talking here until this thing up, up. Updated, but uh, it's taken a little bit longer than I expected. Well, let me say while you're doing that, no matter <laughs> what it says, bundle up. No matter what, because you can always take layers off. This is what it's I should do. Very true. Yes. You got. It's very difficult uh, to to deal with it if you don't have the extra layers to put on. So, and being over there closer to the coast, you usually get a little. It's usually a little, a little gusty. Bit, a little bit chillier. Right. Uh, although that was not really the case at uh, at Portsmouth the other day. All right, we're going to try this on something else because it looks like it's uh, it doesn't want to cooperate with me uh, on the laptop. So let's uh, let's check the weather on the phone real quick here. Well, or and the good news not. is, dear listeners, you don't have to worry about Joe being recruited into the meteorologist <laughs> uh, realm in terms of careers, no, right? No. <laughs> Absolutely not. All right. Well, not not very promising at the moment. It's uh, right now we've got a uh, high of 44 cloudy with occasional rain showers. Uh, mm. So hopefully that changes, although it's better than when I looked uh, a couple days ago. At one point, it looked like snow. So hopefully we avoid that. Uh, yeah, but it would be nice to avoid some rain as well. Although it would be fitting <laughs> a fitting end for the way this has gone uh, at times this year. Yeah, I suppose so. And it can't be any worse than what was it? 6 years ago maybe that that uh Yeah, the, the 2019 the, uh championship weekend, the last one that was at UNH. UNH where yeah. it just poured like sheets of rain all day. The only so. that my my best memory from that day was watching warm-ups for the Division 1 game when the rain had let up a little bit, but it was still cold and windy and uh, Exeter was warming up into the wind. And they tried like three field goal attempts and all of the like the last one I just remember going up in the air, getting about halfway into the end zone and then just dying. Yeah. And then it was like, okay, that, that's enough. That's enough. We're yeah. going to pack it in. 
we're, we're done. Um, but I mean, I I don't know. I what what are you? I'm I, I keep, I've been thinking about this game, you know, since London Londonderry uh, finished off that win on Saturday, and uh, you know, thinking like, who would I pick? Uh, who who do I think has the edge? And I got to tell you, I don't really know. <laughs> you know, I don't know these, either. I, yeah. You know, I guess what I would say is that this is, you know, it was it was it was kind of the rematch that everybody expected at the beginning of the season. It, you know, if that makes any sense. In other words, you know, you 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 think about what each team did last year, and you think about what they have coming back. And I think at the beginning of the season, the big talk was was Londonderry and Bedford again. Um, but then, as the season progressed, you had these other teams that sort of rose up, Pinkerton. Um, again, not that anybody expected Pinkerton to be out of it, but not sure that, you know, once that win over Londonderry in, at midseason really kind of solidified them as a contender. You had an undefeated Portsmouth team in the mix, right? So there was a question about how it was going to play out, but we ended up maybe coming full circle on this one. Because uh, again, I hadn't really thought much about a rematch since, you know, prior to week one, really, to be honest with you, Joe. Yeah. Um, but yet again, here we are. And I think the thing that I'm most interested in is that these these two teams, I think even more than last year, these two teams are built very, very similarly um, in terms of their offenses and their defenses and their special teams, quite honestly. Right. They're 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 built very similarly around the same types of players and around doing the same types of things well. Um, so for me, it, it's honestly not not being uh you know, kind of like taking the easy road. It's honestly, that's a very difficult question to answer because I, I think they're both so similar in the way that they do things and the, and the types of personnel that they have. I mean, I think the big difference between this game, you know, for, for Londonderry and, and last week against Pinkerton, you know, Londonderry, if Londonderry is able to shut down, you know, Bedford's running game, kind of like, you know, even to the degree that Portsmouth did last week where they're, you know, Bedford's still able to move the ball a little bit, but they're not getting the big plays in the run game. You know, how how well are they able to defend, you know, the passing game uh, for Bedford? Because, I mean, maybe outside of Bishop Girton and Dover, I mean, it's the best passing attack, I think, in Division One. Yeah. Um, you know, how how does – Londonderry's certainly got athletes on that defense. Are, are they able to, you know, um, contain the passing game for Bedford? And, you know, does how how does that – kind of that front from Londonderry stack up against Bedford. I mean, I think this is, you know, that's a really interesting uh, matchup there because Bedford's defensive front is one of the, again, one of the best in the state. And I'd say Londonderry's offensive line is, is up there as well. And, and certainly with, you know, this change they made with putting Miles in the backfield as the extra blocker. I mean, that's, you know, that that's a, a it just gives you another one, another guy to, to have to, or to be able to move someone, you know, some of Bedford's defense, right? Yeah. Um, you know, so how does that work? Uh, you know, is is Londonderry going to be able to throw the ball uh, if they have to? I mean, they they have at times, but I don't think they've done that nearly as much as um, they have in the past. You know, how is that going to work out? So, you know, some just some some interesting matchups that I'm really anxious to see how it unfolds on Saturday, as I'm sure everyone else is in the state. Yeah. Well, and you asked, you asked a really good question right out of the gate there, which was, you know, how does Londonderry's ex really excellent defense match up if Bedford is forced to go to the air with Black and company? Right. Right. Because looking at the Londonderry's body of, at the Lancer's body of work this year, they really haven't faced one of the more elite passing teams, quote unquote. Yeah, um, yeah, that, all season, yeah that's right? right. I mean, you know, um, Windham and North could throw the ball around a little bit, Alburn to some extent. Um, but I wouldn't call them, you know, probably in the same tier as the teams that you mentioned, the Dovers, the Bishop Gertons and, and, and Bedford, quite frankly. Right. So, you know, it's a, it's a dimension that they really haven't seen at least, um, you know, in live game speed much this season. I'm sure they've they've spent a ton of time on it in practice and things, but obviously that's not the same. So uh, so that's certainly one dimension, right? The on the other side is um, you know, Bedford Bedford really probably hasn't seen a front quite like uh Londonderry's. And 
I think that what you saw, what, what, what Bedford saw against Portsmouth is probably the closest. Yeah. You know, and that was just this past week. Um, and, and to your point, right. They, they, they didn't just kind of open up gaping holes in the run game against those guys. Uh, so, so yeah, a lot of, a lot of interesting points that, you know, you know, and then, and then, what we learned this week, right, is that there's there's a whole lot else to consider, right? Like emotions and swings in terms of the way that you know one team comes out of the gate versus the other. So, um, so yeah, very very difficult. To yeah, put emo- the emo- yeah that that um, that emotional factor I think is a big one too because I think these teams are a little feisty uh, when it comes to each other, um, which, yeah. you would, which you would expect after you know a game like last year. Uh, and with so many people, you know, so many people on both sides returning and remembering, you know, what happened in that game, the way it happened. Um, yeah. So that should be that's a an interesting, uh, intriguing layer to it as well. Right. Yeah. And and as we as we saw on Saturday, it's hard to beat a good team twice. Yeah. Um, and and in that way, referring to Pinkerton having beaten London Londonderry in the regular season, but it also kind of goes to this you know, that, that, Hey, long memory thing about last year's games. Right. So you look at that emotional aspect and you say, you know, that Londonderry is going to be highly motivated and you know, that Bedford is not going to want to give into that. Right. So (laughs) I think there's, I think it's going to be pretty charged. Yeah, I I do as well. All right. Well, I guess, unless you had uh, any other thoughts, I think that might, uh, that might do it for this week. Yeah, I think it's a wrap. All right. Well, uh, certainly uh, we went over quite a bit and certainly a lot to, to still see happen on Saturday despite having just one game, uh, but certainly uh, definitely looking forward to it. And um, hopefully the weather does uh, change a little bit, forecast change a little bit, and it's a little bit drier than anticipated. Yeah, good luck to both teams. Certainly both extraordinarily deserving to be there. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, really, really excited to see how this matchup unfolds uh, yep. on Saturday. All right, well, Mike, thanks again for uh, for joining me and for for doing this all season long. Yeah, had a great time as always, yeah. Joe. Um, he is Mike Lockman. I am Joe Marcellina. Thanks again for listening this week. Happy Thanksgiving to to everyone. I hope you have a, a safe and uh, and enjoy as enjoyable as can be uh, holiday. And uh, we will be back uh, next week to uh, talk to you about this championship game. And uh, if you're going, enjoy it. If you're watching it online, um, you know, good good luck to getting the stream to work. I've he- I heard there were some issues with last week's game, so hopefully that does not carry over. <laughs> uh, and we will uh, talk to you next week. Take care, everyone. <laughs>